Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron, Biblical Archaeology Today. I am so thankful you're here with us. I'm grateful to be your host. We're looking today at some uh, early writings of Christianity. This is the third in our night series. We're doing it every other night. So you might want to check out the other ones. And uh, do you check out all of our podcast. We appreciate you being here. Subscribe. Leave a five-star review. Helps people find us as the sharing friends, family, church family. So these are the earliest Christian writings we have. It comes from earlychristianwritings.com. I love the website. It's a great website. And we come to First Clement from 80 to 140 uh, AD is what he gives. Most people do date it the first century. A.D. A lot of people say he would be the Bishop of Rome immediately interior of the Apostolic Times. So, who's first? Clement. Uh, Wellburn writes in the Anchor Bible Dictionary, which has kind of a liberal slant to it. The epistles customarily dated the end of the reign of Domitian, 95-96 A.D. That's when I read these 30-40 years ago. That's what I got 30-38 years ago anyway how it was. In the first sentence of the letter, the author explains that the Roman church has been delayed in turning its attention to the dispute at Corinth by sudden repeated misfortunes, hindrances, its fallenness. This statement is usually interpreted as an allusion to a persecution through which the church at Rome has been passing. Since chapter 5 speaks of the Neronian persecution to something long past, the sporadic assaults of Domitian must be met. So, that's what I've always thought about that. Another one that's from 80 to 150 AD and, you know, just early Gnostic is the Gospel of the Egyptians. Now, a lot of people would say the Gospel of Egyptians, if I remember correctly, has some Sabellianistic uh, things to it. In this Gospel, it seems that Salol, mentioned only by Mark in the New Testament, played a prominent role. As did a lot, in Gnostic writings, ladies tended to play a big role, and sometimes not a totally moral role, especially in relations with Jesus. Not getting into, you know, keys to this blood, and uh, that's not it. Uh, holy blood, holy grail, and Merovingians and all this. The Gospel of the Egyptians, no longer extent, was mentioned by Hippolytus and Epiphanius. Most of the, our citations come from Clement of Alexandria. There's also a reference in the excerpts of Theodotus. The Gospel is apparently used in Egypt in the 2nd 3rd century, so the hundreds to 200s. Despite the paucity of extent fragments, the theology of the Gospel of Egyptians is clear. Each fragment endorses sexual asceticism as the means of breaking the lethal cycle of birth and overcoming the alleged sinful differences between male and female, enabling all persons to return to what was understood to be their primordial and androgynous state. That cause Eve came from Adam. That even goes into the Kabbalah, who kind of has some of that in there, the insof. This theology is reflected in speculative interpretations of the Genesis account according to which the unity of the first man was disrupted by the creation of woman and sexual division. Um, so we'll just leave it at that for that particular uh, the gospel of uh, the Egyptians. In the gospel of the Hebrews, this is not the Hebrews in the Bible, so Ron Cameron writes, the gospel of the Hebrews may have been known as 
to Papias, who died in 138 AD, whose five-volume exegesis of the sayings of the Lord is now lost, preserved only in a few quotations in the writings of Eusebius. A lot of people say Papias actually studied under John. That's speculative. Hegesippus, later in the 2nd century, the 100s AD, and Eusebius, early in the 4th century, attest to the existence of this gospel. Not quote from it. Fragments are preserved in the writings of Clement of Alexandria, the late 2nd century, very late. A lot of people say Clement started about 210 to 15, actually, that'd be 3rd century. Origin, early in the 3rd century, and Cerebrum of Jerusalem, 350 AD. Jerome, 400 AD, also preserved several fragments all of which probably reproduced from the writings of Origen. Uh, according to the list of canonical and apocryphal books drawn up by Nicephorus, Patriarch of Constantinople, 806 to 18 AD, the Gospel of Hebrews contained 2,200 lines, only 300 fewer than Matthew. The Gospel of Hebrews shows no dependence upon the Gospel of Matthew. The story of the first resurrection appearance of James the just appears that the Jewish Christian community that produced this document claimed James as their founder. So, and so, uh, that would be Ebionites, kind of. We'll do one more. That's 800, excuse me, 8080 to 150, 80 to 250, the Christian siblings. A lot of people say there's some Sibelian influence in that as well. There's actually some off-site links here. Uh, Ursula Trey, the New Testament Apocrypha, the so-called Oraculus Sibylina, are preserved in a collection of 12 books of very differing length from 162 to 829 hexameters. Book 6, the Christ Hymn, is an extreme case with only 28 verses, although there's over 4,000 verses in the Sibylline oracles. The Sibyl constantly speaks in the first person. Tense is almost always in the future. So, uh, now, the Sibylline Oracles, a lot of people would say, um, you know, these were something Greek, and then maybe some Proto-Hebrew, and then this would be the, the Christian Sibyllines. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior, Cross. According to Eusebius, the Emperor Constantine quoted this. And Augustine also cites it in a Latin translation. That's from the Sibyllines. Um, so th not all the Sibylline writings are purely Christian. We're going to stop there. We're appreciative you're here. And uh, join us daily. Talk with you later. God bless you. Bye-bye.